Welcome to. 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 Ladies of the mic. These are the ladies of the mic. Welcome to the Ladies of the Mic podcast, a group of working voiceover artists on a rotating panel discussing the voiceover industry from the female-leaning perspective. And without further ado, the Ladies of the Mic. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ladies of the Mic. We've got a round-robin table of four amazing actresses today. I am Caitlin Robrock. I am Della Saba. Hi, I'm Stephanie Sutherland. And I'm Shelby Young. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about some points of animation. And I believe we're going to start off with each of our experiences on how we broke in. Yeah. So, Kate, why don't you start us off? What was your first animation gig? My first animation gig was my big breakthrough on Mr. Pickles. I was uh, Tommy Goodman, who sounds a little bit like this because he's a little boy and he lives in the town, and his dog is a good boy. (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) And that one, that was that's it's such an interesting tale of how I broke into that. So I'll give you a condensed version. Long story short, back in Comic Con about. 2009, I went to the Drawn Together movie panel, and Drawn Together was an animated show at the early 2000s. Oh, I loved Drawn they, Together. Yeah, <laughs> it was an animated reality TV show. So characters from each genre of animation came to live in this house. You had the 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 Disney-esque princess, you had the 1920s black and white character, you had a superhero, you had a video game character, you had a Japanese anime character, Flash animation. They just all came to live at this, or in the 70s Hanna-Barbera mystery solver. So they had all these character archetypes living in this house. Big fan so of the show. Cool. Big fan of the show. And we went to go see the panel about the movie that was coming out a few years later. And I, I knew Jess Harnell at the time, so we're like, let's go support him. And at the end of the panel, they said, we're going to have a contest. The winner's going to be drawn in to the movie. What? what? So everyone's raising their hands. And my friend Diana's like, hey, pick a chick. Because they picked these two guys. <laughs> and she was so loud. I like your friend. That, oh, yeah, I love yeah. my friend. And then Jess turned and was like, hey, like that pointing, like, oh, it's you. Get up here. Hey, guys, stop, stop, stop. I got her. So he pulls me up. Thank you. Jess and the contest was how long we could stay handcuffed to each other (laughs) and bless Dave Jesser's heart he thought it would end when Comic-Con ended that day as did I it did not because these two other gentlemen they picked were like hardcore we're gonna go for this prize everything I own is in the backpack on my back I'll sleep on any floor that'll have me and the other guy was like oh I live a block away I can stay out as late as I want (gasps) I'm like, oh, no, I have a bed, I have a shower, I have food. I don't want to stay here. But Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they didn't know that you could be a voice in the movie. They didn't hear that part of the prize because everyone was cheering after they said they'd be drawn into it. So I would, told Jess, like, they don't know that there's a real prize. Can I have the prize? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Amazing. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, let me talk to my friends. And he talked to them, and they're like, she can have it. Just get her out of here. 
That's incredible. So, and then they were able to like wow. end the contest a certain way. And the, they were like, okay, we're going to draw everybody into the movie because that was insane. <laughs> but I was the one who got to do the voiceover parts. Because Jess Caitlin. knew I wanted to be in this voiceover. Is wild. I was it's not wild. expecting this story. No, <laughs> no like, not at like all. my my break into animation is not normal. No, this, is not, <laughs> this does not happen. So like, no one can oh, really do what word. I did. So and it I, involved I went in, handcuffing. It involved handcuffs. It involved. I had, right, we all had to go to listeners. the bathroom together <laughs> because like they. So like we're all in the men's room and I'm like I'm not watching this I'm like oh half out the door gosh. and they would not go into the ladies room I'm like I'm not going in the ladies room oh my god this is ridiculous but it paid off so I went in I and mean, I did a voice yeah and I went in and did a voice and they're like hey do two more we didn't know you could actually do this and like Jess said I could you gotta trust Jess <laughs> so we did the movie. I made good friends with the creators. They brought me into another pilot for Adult Swim. They were pitching. I was, it was between me and Jennifer Tilly for one of the roles. Of course, Jennifer Tilly gets it. But having done the callback, the creative development team passed my name on to the people who were doing Mr. Pickles. So they wow. brought me in. I read for the mom who went to Brooke Shields, and I read Ooh. for the girlfriend who dies right off the bat. And they said, like, do you have, like, a little boy voice just, just so we can hear it? Like, yeah, I've got this one. And I booked the boy. That wow. is so wow. cool. It, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty amazing origin story. It really it's, is. Yeah. It doesn't insane. normally happen like that, people. No. <laughs> Just get your handcuffs ready. <laughs> um, a friend of mine introduced me to Bill Farmer. I made my demo with Bill Farmer. And he he walked me into his agency and they took a chance on little old 2012 Caitlin. 2012 Caitlin. Mm-hmm. And oh I gosh. listened back to my auditions back then, and I'm like, oh, my God, why did they pick me? I do that all what? the time. For I sure. Like, it, I was yeah. the best I could be at the time. But now I'm like, oh, thank God they took a chance on me. I wouldn't <laughs> take a chance on me back then. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like they they knew. They knew you I had it so. in you. From well, and I've been with them ever since. That's oh incredible. That is an amazing story. <laughs> yeah, have fun following that. I was gonna say, who wants to yeah, follow that know, one? Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I was on a pig farm and I was mowing the lawn when uh, this man came up. No, that's not my a big Hollywood big shot <laughs> Wait, came and Shelby, I didn't know this story. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing too. So this is just going to give everyone this idea that you just have to do random things. And <laughs> <laughs> no, no, who wants to go next? I, I I will go to offset my terrible joke about being on a farm. Um, I, <laughs> go for it, Shelby. <laughs> Give us the real story. My brain is not awake. Um, mine was pretty. I feel like the more normal route of getting into animation, which was I uh, was newly with Vox, I uh, my agency. I was getting sent auditions, and I booked one, and it happened to be an animated show called Star Wars: Forces of Destiny. Um, but it was pretty wild to me because I I had assumed. I would have had to go in for callbacks, but it oh, was yeah. just off of that first audition. And wow. it was pretty crazy. No yeah. Wow. It was pretty crazy because they didn't say outright that it was Princess Leia. It was dummy sides, but it was very obviously Princess Leia. So I was like, okay, I should try to voice match this then or try to get at least her essence in this first audition. And we worked through it a lot more once um, I was actually on the job. But I, I listened back to that audition and I'm still like, how did I book this? Wow. <laughs> Well, and that's cool that you were able to read between the lines and be like, oh, okay, I should try a voice match for this. 
Yeah, um, and I didn't do like a full-on voice match because they didn't specifically request that. Sure. So I didn't, in case they wanted to go a different route, you never know when they animate projects if they want to stick to the original source material or go a whole new direction. And that's part of the scary part of auditioning is where you really you just don't have all the information, so you have right. no idea mm-hmm. what they want. Which is why I've stopped at not at that time yet because I was so new, but at, I now have stopped thinking like, well, what do they want? And instead I do what I want and what Mm -hmm. I think is funny and what tickles my funny bone. And that's so liberating. It is when you get into that mindset, but it took a long time for me to get there. Charlie Adler helped me break out of my, like, type A controlling all my auditions mindset. Uh (laughs) I feel like I'm just barely getting to that. And, oh, man, like, it's such a world of difference of how how much I enjoy the work now. Right. The work of auditioning. Right. It makes it way more fun because instead of— Walking into your booth or your closet and thinking like, okay, I need to get this right, knowing there is no right, and like, I'm just going to have fun in there. Let's see mm-hmm. what comes out of my mouth. Exactly. For sure. The fewer specs, the better. Like, the, the, the less you get about a character, the more freedom you have to make choices and the more freedom you feel like, well, I'm hitting the one key point of this character. It doesn't matter what package it's coming in. So you can have as many different Mm -hmm. bows and gift wrapping as possible. But it seems like when you're training for a voiceover and, and aiming for things, usually animation, you hear the same pieces of advice over and over and over, and you think you get it. You think you know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. But there'll come a point where you're reading something or you're performing an emotion and you feel something click into place. Yeah. You'll you'll do something or you'll react a certain way to the Mm -hmm. action happening, and you realize, oh, that's what they mean when they say this. Okay, I finally get it. And it could take years to really get it. Because you can hear it, and you can internalize it, and you can logically be aware, but you have to viscerally connect to it to get it. You have to experience Mm -hmm. it to know what they're talking about. Yes. No, it's so true. It's so true. But that is my very boring, normal um, animation (laughs) intro story. how did you get with Vox? Um, I so I have that on camera background, and my managers at the time were having me meet with different voiceover agencies. Well, I was making them make these appointments for me, bugging them nonstop. Like, guys, please, I want to do voiceover. I need someone that knows voiceover. Who can I meet that knows voiceover? Mm-hmm. And I met with a few agencies, and then when I met Vox, it just really clicked. Um, and they at the time, it was honestly just the right place, right time. They were looking for young women who had mocap experience and I had already done a mocap game and it was just kind of it was meant to be it feels like because I I love them (laughs) nice yeah Yeah, that's so three of us are with them right yeah yeah Yeah. shout out Vox (laughs) (laughs) all of you (laughs) but Kate your agent's amazing yeah honestly AVO is a wonderful fit for me and I, I keep in contact with my agents every week if not every day I tell them about what I want to do I tell them Like, here's what I'm willing to work on. I ask, what could I work on to help round myself out more? Because there's plenty of auditions I don't read for where I could do it. I could have a version of it. But I'm not in that top Mm -hmm. five if I'm not excelling at that archetype as it's most commonly known. I have the Caitlin version of the archetype, which could work. I could be a wild card audition. But I always try to find out what's hip right now. What can I work on in my off time? That's Mm -hmm. so smart. I don't know if I'll ever be... 
the military woman like Vasquez or Ripley. <laughs> I feel that. That's what I get. Because I'd probably cry. I, cry. In cry. Battle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but like that that may never be something I can do. But it's something I'm always willing to practice on yeah, and get and feedback toward. on. But I also like what you were saying of your own version of it, because that at the end of the day is like mm-hmm. what they want. You know? Exactly. Like, it just depends. Does it click with the rest of the cast? Does it click orally? There's totally. so much it depends usually, on. Usually my agent will be here's the top five for what you're asking for. Here's my two wild cards. Interesting. So I'm off on a wild card, just like, well, she may not be that fit, but she can do a lot else. Maybe something else will click and be unique. You never know. Yeah. And that type of belief in me is so essential mm-hmm. that anyone should have their agent feel for them. That's No, that's incredible. That's why I've stayed there this whole time. Just they, They've got my back, and I know that. Going off of, like, not knowing um, what they want, though, also, like, with, with Baby Shark, I had a callback for Mommy Shark, and I had this this character voice that I'd come up with for her. I didn't book it, but then they called to say, hey, what Shelby did in that callback, we want for a completely different character on the show. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So have her keep that voice, but she's not going to be Mommy Shark. She's Raina instead. So, like, you truly don't know, and th- sometimes mm-hmm. they don't even know what they want, and then they hear something that you do that maybe isn't the straight Ripley read, but you have your own spin on it that then they're like, wait a second, this fits this character. So it's just right. goes kind of back to not thinking there's a right or a wrong, and it's yeah. more of, like, enjoying what you're doing in mm-hmm. your audition. And trusting it. Plenty of casting directors keep auditions in their file folders. Like the right. show may be done, but they may they, they may label it like Caitlin Robrock dash soft mother. So it's an example of a soft mother. Oh, so cool. if, if they listen to like, well, what about Jimmy John's show? Well, we need a soft mother. Oh, hang tight. I've got a folder of soft mothers. <laughs> so ignore the audition itself, but here's the sound, here's the attitude, here's the point of view, and they could cast you that way. Yeah. It, it cool. absolutely happens. Well, and I think it's cool to know that they like it's it's what's the saying the oh work begets work how could I have lost that Mm -hmm. it's the same with good auditions begets work because a lot of times they're they're needing to cast something so quickly and if you have a have sent in your authentic good audition that is showing you and what you want to bring and what showing what you do bring when you're not trying to like fit yourself into this little mold oftentimes that's going to stand out and they'll remember it so good auditions beget work, even if it's not for what you end up getting cast in. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, Steph, how did you how did you get started? Well, gosh, I so I had been focusing a lot on commercial and just like trying to break into animation. I'd done a few uh, little video games, and um, I uh, I started doing some direct marketing, and I was like, I'm gonna get a LinkedIn page, which um, I'm not great at updating, but. But I'm working on it. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> well, it's it's crazy because I got a LinkedIn page and I started connecting with people that I had met in the industry. And I got this random message on LinkedIn. And it was this gal saying, hey, we're doing a reboot of this popular Christian animated series. And I was like, what could it be? Like, I grew up in Utah. So there's this production or this uh, animated series called The Living Scriptures. <laughs> All oh, about, I've like, heard of this because yeah, my yeah. friend Emma. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like Richard Rich does these Living Scriptures things, and it's all, like, about the Book of Mormon and and the Bible stories, and they're all animated. So I was like, is this for Living Scriptures? Like, I think that's still going, but I'm not sure. So I, I sent in a couple, or I sent in my animation demo, and they're like, we'd love to have you read on it. Here are some sides. And... So I sent in an audition, still not knowing what it was. 
they liked what I did and they wanted me to go down to Orange County for a callback. And so I went in for two callbacks there and they sent the sides and I was like, oh, it's Veggie Tales. I was going to say, it sounds yeah. like Veggie Tales. It, see, and I, I forgot all about Veggie Tales. I loved it as a kid, although I, I was like not willing to admit it because I was like the cool 12 year old who's like <laughs> whose little brother's really enjoying it and I'm like yeah this is dumb but I'm like watching it because it's cool um <laughs> but I uh but yeah it was for Veggie Tales, and I I read for Madame Blueberry and Petunia and a couple other characters and and then on my second callback they were like can you do a little boy voice we would like to hear that and so I did this kind of plucky little little boy voice and they're like well that's actually what we want for Cauliflower who's a little girl um, but she's like this this plucky, nerdy, um, wonder, wonderful, delightful cauliflower uh, <laughs> girl. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, I booked it. And it's just so random that it was from a connection on LinkedIn. So I think it's it's I, I think everyone's paths to getting into the animation world are so, so different. And that just illustrates <laughs> illustrates it with us four here. So, Della, how did you get into it? I got into it really randomly, too, I guess. I was always doing—I came—well, I'm from London, came from New York, where I was just before, and so I'd been doing a lot of theatre my whole life. Came to L.A., you know, when you start here and you don't know anyone. Yeah. yeah. So I was trying to get my agent, trying to get, uh, you know, some kind of opening to starting a career here— and um, the one person I met through, again, very random circumstances was uh, someone who worked at Disney. And so he basically asked the casting director if she would meet me. And it was Jamie Roberts. And I ended up having a general with her. And then like two weeks later, they were recording or they were starting looking to do the scratch for Moana. Mm-hmm. So I went in. For that, I auditioned. It was a really long audition. Um, and we were wow. going between like an American accent, an English accent. They were like just trying to really figure out like her essence yeah. over sure. the actual sound. And so, uh, yeah, then like I think like a month later, they told me I got it. And it was just the best training in voiceover That's because so cool. I think I worked on it for a year and a half. And wow. I recorded that film three times, technically. Whoa. And I was working with Ron and John, the directors of like Aladdin and Moana. Mm-hmm. Oh and I was getting to watch the conversations that they were having, you know, like figuring out between the the uh, animators versus the writers and watching all of that. And so it was a really, like, fortunate way to get into voiceover. And then yeah. uh, Jamie helped me get an agent, which she put me in touch with Vox. Amazing. And then because I did all that work, they moved me on to doing Scratch for Zootopia. And then they, I think, I don't know if they knew I was going to get to actually do it, but then they let me uh, do it for the actual film. So as, as baby, baby Judy Hopps. It's Which so cool. so, still I geek out about. That right. is the freaking coolest. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my little break-in with Baby Jude. I love I just love it so much that all of us have such different stories. And I think, yeah. like, for mm-hmm. my brain, my brain is like, well, there has to be, a, like, a method. Like, like you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and that equals nope. this. But no, <laughs> it's not feel that, that way at all. 
It's so funny. I do think any time, any of the the things I can see when I look back on things I I booked, and we were you guys were kind of talking about it, but it really is times when I was genuinely so true to where I was at in mm-hmm. my life and like、mm. what I wanted to express, and kind of the merge of that with the character. I think it is like when you do listen, I mean, it'll come through. It's, it's, you will hear it. It does come through. It really、yeah. does. And that organicness will always. It's so、win. true. And I don't know about you guys. It's so hard with with the just the VO specific auditions from home. And I know we're really talking about animation, but you know there were there were in the in the olden times before COVID, there were callbacks where you would go in person, and you know. That feeling, like I have at least a few times had that feeling where I've left a room for either a mocap thing or an in-person animation thing, and you feel it where you're like, I know I booked that. Like before、mm-hmm. they even say、mm-hmm. anything, it's like you tapped into that character in a way where it's like, I am this character. Like I, yes, I, I know I booked it, and then you get the call, and it's like, I was right. <laughs> it's a good、yeah. feeling. It is、yeah. a great feeling. It's、yeah. the best feeling, and I think it really, like what you're saying. It's like you tapped into that to that organic, like、mm-hmm. truthful place, and I, the people on the other side of the glass can also feel that. Yeah, it comes through. I think that is my favorite thing. One of the favorite things of animation is that freedom.、Mm-hmm. I think because the stakes go ever so slightly lower by the fact that you can just be like. Hey, can I do it again? Right, <laughs> right. It took them five seconds for you to do it again.、Uh, I do. There is like a feeling of like flying, of like it really just kind of yeah, being outside of your. I don't know if this resonates with you guys, but yeah, it, I would say it's it's where I actually learned freedom in all forms of my acting、mm-hmm. was through animation and just、mm. the expressiveness of it and, and getting to play. Like it,、yeah. so much of it is play and fun because a lot of I mean a majority of the animated things we've all worked on I feel like are comedic or heartwarming versus there's some you know adult sad animation but I, I feel like we're mainly in that 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 playful fun stuff and and watching other actors that's what I miss more than anything right now. Right. With, with COVID, I mean, we have Zoom,、mm. but like being in the room while you're recording animation and with the other actors, their energy. oh yes, it's it's the best. And it, like you were saying, Della, it's so like freeing because you can try anything, and if they don't like it and it doesn't work, then it's you just do another take, and it's easy. Right,、mm-hmm. right.、Oh, gosh, that triggered something. I was gonna say something, and now. I've lost it. Oh、no. dang it! Was it something about your favorite thing about working in animation? Oh wow! What a wonderful that was a good lead-in. <laughs> I tried to be like, here you go. Here's the prompt. <laughs> I think、um, that all kind of fits with what we're talking about. Like our favorite thing is getting that high when you when you click into a character、mm-hmm. and you know, like this this archetype is me. I know everything about this type of character. This is who I am in real life. Yeah, and, and you could bring that. In an animated form, right? It informs what you、yeah. bring off the page, or or、uh, like like any actor. There's always that seed, even from when you're a kid. If if you're goofing around with different voices, how they sound, or you're mimicking a lot, especially like your family members,、mm-hmm. right? And that that creates not just voices but characters as well. And when you do a certain voice or a certain character all the time as a joke, just for fun, it's your second nature. When you get to play those types of characters in shows. It, that's when you feel like the most vindicated. Like, oh, this voice that got me those weird side eyes in school. Now <laughs> this is a most beloved character、right. on a show. Or, or for I do Felicia Sundu on Amphibia, and she's got a very light Southern accent, just a little one, you know, not not too much.、Yes. But、um, I, my parents grew up in Wyoming, and they obviously they speak English. But when we moved to California, <laughs> you know. 
I'm raised around them. I'm raised around school. But having that home talking, my A's are really specific. And uh, mm. some people be like, you have a kind of accent, like a little Midwestern accent. And I'm like, no, I don't. Of course. No, there's no way I don't. I don't have that at all. And then like I'll hear an A and like, oh, that's what they mean. That's <laughs> it. So and then if, if you've got something like that, you just push it and exaggerate it even more. And then you've got a little something, uh, you know, a little something cooking on the back burner there. And, and it's going to be ready by dinner time. Just make sure you wash your hands. OK, OK. Well, that's, that's what so I, that's what I, I love, love too, where it's like so many character voices that I will find in an audition either start out as really bad impressions or I'll be like, oh, this kind of reminds me of this actor, but I don't want to sound exactly like them, so let me morph my voice. And now you find that character within it. Yes. And I, 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 I love, I love figuring out who a character is in auditions. It's funny. You say, uh, my, most of my characters came from me finding the American accent really hard. <laughs> and I could never place my uh, American accent down in my natural resonance, like mm-hmm. where I speak from here. So everything like sat really nasal and uh, kind of pinched. So I kind of discovered a whole load of kids characters just yeah. through like default mm-hmm. of not knowing how to relax the American until, you know, my range is getting bigger and bigger now. But it started as like a default of not being able to actually <laughs> fully commit to an American accent. <laughs> That's incredible. Like I love, I love that, that so much. <laughs> right. Oh, that is really, really cool. Well, gosh, how do you guys approach auditions when it is like, well, like how, they how always, do you inform those character choices? Like how, yeah, break it down. Let's break it down. Uh, let's break it break down. Break it down now. Yeah, break it down. Well, um, uh, uh, the biggest thing you hear from any teacher or any class is, you know, don't read the specs. Ignore the specs at the moment. Um, whether it's a piece of copy that has isolated lines, like 10 isolated lines and like, oh, I get to figure out if they haven't provided already, what's the emotion? What's the, is is their words capitalized? Is there multiple explicitive sounds at the end, like three question marks and two exclamation points um, versus a piece of copy that's a scene? So I figured Mm. like if it's a scene work, I read through the scene first and make sure I'm paying attention to the direction of like, okay, how would I react? I read a cold copy through and then I approach it by who do I think this character is just off of what I'm reading? How would Caitlin react? And then I go Mm. back and I read the specs and some of it will, most often it changes to be like, okay, maybe this is a child. I have to younger up or, oh, this person is a softer voiced character as opposed to my brassy, broad type of attack on the character. But did I make those correct character choices by my instinct by my intuition yeah with what comes naturally yeah so then i can go back and apply those specs to the same read i did that and it changes it up a little depending on what i now know from the specs and that's like okay that's the best copy that's the one i'm connecting with that's the one that they would most likely want and then i send that that first take as a second take Oh, interesting. Um, mm. Where it, it's got nothing to do with the specs, just because, well, this is how this character felt to me if I were watching this television show. It may not be what they're envisioning, but it could be a change. So I send it as a second take, provided it's, like, clean and... Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm, and I'm believing my own work. That way, okay, here's two auditions, maybe not hugely different in sound, but definitely different in point of view and in intensity of reaction to what's happening around me. And because you never know what'll book. Right. It's so you you never know. It's so true. And that's like the frustrating part is is 
again, like trying not to get in your head of like wanting to book it so badly that then you're focusing on doing the read that's going to book you versus feeling the emotions of the character and enjoying the read and the process. A hundred percent. Yeah. Sometimes you get there. Sometimes you get there like there there was a project I just auditioned for and I loved the the aspect of what's happening. All of these characters have very short lines, one or two. So like, okay, I can do two or three takes of this Mm-hmm. Very small audition. And it, it lets you play. Like, well, how would I do this if I were a very easygoing person? Okay, how would I do this if I'm tense and I'm irritated at whatever's going on? How would I do this if I were a teenager? It doesn't say the age. So having those different choices, it, it took me a couple hours to get through it because it's like, well, am I feeling it? Am I feeling it? And then finally, after those couple of takes for each character, like, oh, that's the one. So Mm. I definitely would put a lot of time and focus on something I do want, but I make sure I'm enjoying the entire time. If it's feeling like, I mean, this is work, yes, but if it's feeling like I am not having fun, I'm not connecting, I, it's not organic to my own ears. I'm obviously playing a trope. Like you'll know, and at that point, you got to step back. Maybe step back till tomorrow. Maybe scrap that character. I was gonna say I've passed. I've passed on auditions before when it's and it's rare that I do this, but I it's if I really cannot connect to it, I'd rather skip the audition than send in a bad audition because it's like I know I'm not hitting the funny, I know I'm not I'm I'm just I I'm not connected to this character or mm-hmm. I have a different worldview and I mean well I can I can play around with that, but like there was um not to give away any projects, but there was like that this political thing that was really funny and well written, but like I was just struggling with it to where I was like I'm not educated enough, which is my own issue, mm-hmm. um, uh, to like bring the funny to this character because I don't know what I'm talking about and I can't improvise what I don't know. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna skip this one. Mm-hmm. I've had auditions where like I'm not. I don't know if I'm doing this right. I'm not feeling it. What I have done seems to be acceptable, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's not enough. You know, you don't want to lessen your credibility as an actor. Totally. You know, is it better is it better to always give 10 out of 10 and miss half your auditions or do all of your auditions and half are 10 out of 10 and the other half are 7 out of 10 or 6 out of 10? So if I question an audition, I ask my agents, I, I've had a rough time with this. I'm not sure if I'm right for it versus am I right for it right now? Or would I need more experience in something? Please listen to it. If you don't feel it's hitting that competitive mark, no need to submit me. I, I don't mind. If, if you feel you hear something I could change, give me a call. Like, that's part of working with your agent. Yeah. And they're, they're very busy people, for sure. So I don't do this often at all. But if there's something like, I want it, I can't feel it, should I try? I connect with them. That way, which we I know. think is so important. It to is have your agent's working for you. They won't make money unless you book. You won't book right. unless you're providing strong auditions. You can't provide strong auditions until you're a given those auditions. So if you're not receiving auditions, find out why and fix it on your end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like n- not not to be that person, but most likely any problems about not getting auditions are on you as the actor because you're not ready to get that range yet. Even if you feel you are. There's plenty of people out there who have done this for years. They know what they're listening for. And it's no it's no slight to say, hey, you're not ready for this yet. Keep practicing. You'll get there. But it's got to come from you first. Yeah. It's interesting talking about skipping auditions or knowing you're not right for something. And there, for so long, there was this part of me that was like, I have to do my very best and give them what they want and, and control, control, control. And right. 
over the last, I don't know, six months to a year, um, I'm really having this mindset shift. And it, I feel like it's especially <laughs> settled in. I, I went uh, on a trip to visit some friends from high school. Um, 15 years later, we uh, are still best friends. And oh, just nice. this last weekend, I was up in San Francisco with them. And stepping away from L.A. was just like such a – it really helped the message set in that there are always going to be opportunities. There are always going to be more auditions. There are always going to be chances for us to play. And and if you miss something or if you don't feel like you're right on something, that's okay because that's not the end. And yeah. there's going to be more – more for us to to get to play and do and and try and you know so there's so much out there and especially now like we're we live in this insane amount of uh, in this world with this insane amount of content that there's always going to be something more opportunities to play it's so true but also I don't know about you I get stuck in this mindset sometimes where I'm like it's a slow week I'm never going to work again this is the end I'm done for uh-huh. I will never ever book anything ever again and then you book something it's like oh <laughs> right, okay, right, right, right. but then the cycle starts over again it's well, so and to true. play devil to play devil's advocate Deadpool's Deadpool's advocate Deadpool's <laughs> um, for our listeners that. out there uh, who are active in auditioning I completely understand if you feel that mindset of but what if this is the project that breaks through? Yeah. What, if, mm-hmm. what if this, this is, is my, my big, big break? break? I totally understand those feelings. And it makes going on vacations yes. hard. It does. Yes. Like, I, oh, I yes. can definitely say, like, hey, I'm going to Disney World for the next 10 days. Obviously, I can't do sessions. If Disney needs me for my particular project urgently, they will find a studio out in Florida, and I will go to it. And yeah. it's, if, it, if, it, if I'm at Walt Disney World, I can tell you right now, there's studios backstage yeah, right. over there. <laughs> so there's no problems there. And I do bring a travel microphone yes. with me. But I'm also very gentle with myself of like, okay, you're allowing auditions to be sent to you. Um, if they're due before your trip ends, you read before. And I ask my agents, hey, if, you, if you're going to send me an audition that's due on a day after my vacation, even though I'm on vacation now, please send it. Because yeah. the day I get home, I'll crack them all out. But if something's due the next day and you want to have fun at Epcot, you really should have fun at Epcot. Right. You yeah. can read You can read the copy over if you're desperate enough to do it. I've got my travel mic. I think we're going to rent a car when our next trip, like go into your car and record. Right. You can do that, but you should not be neglecting your well-being of having a vacation to overshadow your, your the, the, what you feel is your work ethic obligations. A hundred percent. And to that point, if you're not living life, what's going to inform your auditions? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. You need life experience. Oh, my goodness. I look back, like I was saying, listening back to old auditions, or even for me with the on-camera stuff, looking at work I did when I was younger, it's choices I would never make now because I've lived, and it's not that it was bad or wrong, it was like that's where I was at that point in my life and I hadn't experienced heartbreak yet or I hadn't experienced these things that you don't realize really do inform your work because it's you're coming at it from this different head, this this like different headspace. But then it's also interesting, and I'm wondering, I'm curious about you guys with this, when you're auditioning for kids, turning that off sometimes because you have to look at this copy through the lens of an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old like what do you how do you approach that when it's when it is a character that can't have the life experience that you have or you don't remember your time as a kid yeah <laughs> that, that's actually one of the challenging things for me about working in animation 
because um, I don't remember if I said anything during that actual point in the podcast. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I have to get out of my head of, do I sound like a credible child? Maybe not in realistic scenarios, mm-hmm. but obviously the cartoon world, there's a lot more leeway. Right. Am I Within sounding this particular world? Yeah. Do I sound like a credible teenager? Do I sound like a credible kid? Um, I I can feel it when I know I am for the animation world, but in the realism, when animation goes the realistic route, that's always a challenge. Yeah. Like how how am I? What is real versus what's monotonic? If if you're a naturally exuberant person or you naturally have a lot of inflection in your voice or sing song that that kind of puts you in that niche and it's hard to break out of that to learn about the realism so doing those types of work can be challenging and the best bet is you know adapt your speech how do kids talk listen to the kids in your life i'm not a mother but i've played a mother several times and i use my experiences with my god kids or with the kids i i babysit a lot and my 7 year old is Little Hartley, who is now like 10, but I remember how she sounded when she was seven and her speech patterns. So I always go back to Little Hartley because she didn't have her, she couldn't say a lot of her T's or D's right, but she was there. (laughs) And so it's, and so that's that's, that's that seven year old attitude. And then I can adapt a sound around it or make the sound even more high pitched to be like, okay, this is like a four year old, but this is a very, educated four-year-old that's where the <laughs> precocious <comes> four-year-old <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and it, it it adds to that but but like try to fu- if you if you don't have the exact life experience find the closest possible thing yeah you don't have kids do your I'm friends a cat have mom. kids yeah <laughs> right. you're a cat mom everything you say as a cat mom that's what you're saying to a baby under three guaranteed after three you're oh, gonna be like no totally. johnny get your hands out of there like <laughs> After that is where the frustration comes in. But up to that point, this is your pure baby who can do no wrong. Yes, they knocked the salt off the table, but that's okay. They look cute when they did it. They were so cute. And then they look at you and, meow. I can't be mad at you. That was a good meow. That was a good meow. I'll I'll do that to any cat. If they ignore me, I'll just... Oh my gosh. And they freak out like, where's the kitten? Where is the... Oh my gosh. I must mother this kitten. Kate, I want to see you come over since we have all the the foster kittens, and you can I talk. want to play with your cats. They will. You can talk with them, have a little conversation. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. Your cat says the dry food is awful. Get her the wet food, and <laughs> right. also meow, 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 meow. Oh, there's a present for you under the back porch. It's still alive. <laughs> it's still al- It's barely alive, but it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, mom. Um, Della, what is what is your audition approach? What I usually do when I'm reading a script is probably uh, think about how it looks, how how I think they would animate it. Um, For me, I tend to be such a physical. I need to find it in my physicality. So, uh, yeah, I would usually sort of look through the script and if I imagine that they're leaning forward or what is their, are they like grabbing something or are they, I sort of imagine it through that lens, particularly with kids stuff, because it sort of helps me inform anyway, the sort of musicality or the rhythm of it. And then I do think I kind of work through it through emotionality as well I let that sort of inform it but it's interesting to hear you guys talk about it because I don't think I think as much in terms of character as much as kind of it more through a visual Hmm. way Um, which is really interesting but yeah but I think it it is it's sort of 
I find it in my body. Otherwise, if I'm thinking about it too cerebrally, it's it's never going to work for me. So I have to, as quickly as possible, get my body involved. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's really cool. That's a cool approach. I want to, like, I, I never really think about, because as far as the visual, I do think about, like, the distance I am from the person I'm having the conversation oh, yeah. with in the scene. But I've never really sat and thought, like, all right, how is this going to look animated? Because that would that would in, inform some choices. Because it's like when you do ADR and you're already seeing the project, it, that gives you different options of what you would, mm-hmm. not different options, my brain, wow. That gives you a different approach than if you hadn't seen the animation, because that does inform what you do. Mm-hmm. Do you want totally. what you're saying to match the exaggerated look of the character on screen? Right. If they're mm-hmm. go, if they're doing a crazy wild eye take, you got to match that. You can't have a softer. Oh, what a surprise! Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it it definitely can tell. It weirdly also informs the comedy too, because often you do. I don't know. I had one uh, the other day where I remember I was like looking at like the sand, and then I have to like shout at my brother. And oh, sorry, that's how I imagined it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm exhausted, and we're in the desert. But I remember sort of thinking, okay, maybe it'll be drawn. I'm sort of searching in the sand, and then you know your third beat where you're going to hit the comedy is like the desperation, looking up at your brother. So it sort of creates that uh, that uh, yeah, the mu- the the comedic musicality. That's really like, cool. the blocking almost. It's like a stage play. Which, yeah. And I think the other one, which I know you guys, I'm sure you guys do automatically, but just to think about, I don't know of anyone, uh, other things that I do think about. One is, it, it's, it's the contrast, right? Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. the fast to slow or slow to fast. Transitions, turns. pitch up to low pitch. The, what are other ones? The proximity close uh, close to far yeah. I think that stuff kind of, I used to have to think about it a lot. I used to write it out. Um, to kind of remind myself, but I think it's kind of more and more getting in my body where it just becomes sort of, second nature at a point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which is cool when you start to feel that, right? And you don't have to be so conscious of it. Uh, because yeah, it's just coming. It's just coming naturally. I'm curious. Do you guys watch a lot of stuff? Like, does that inform you? Do you, with your auditions, do you tend to look up the show to see the? Yeah, I oh do. yes, that that's your homework. If if a show is out, if it's based on a book, if if it's based off a a little a 20 minute pilot on YouTube go watch it read the books go watch the episode if you're auditioning for a character that technically already had a voice like that could be the best voice at the time this could be the one they really want but they send it out to everybody in general that that'll inform you of who that character yeah. is meant to be mm-hmm. did they nail it wonderful chances are they'll book the the show itself but if you can see where they want to go but maybe they weren't just there yet and that's why they're re-auditioning mm-hmm. honor those character choices of that original person to bring that character more into a 3d world to, mm-hmm. uh, to be a well-rounded character mm-hmm. yeah i definitely when when i'm given the opportunity to watch or like to know who's uh, the creator of the project i'll look up their their imdb and look up clips from other shows um, sometimes, though, you know, we don't get that much information, so you yeah. just have to guess what type of animation it is. Is it children's yeah. animation? Is it adult animation? How crazy mean can I be? Because if it's for kids, I can't be too mean and scary. Like, right. Figuring that out without the information is so hard. <laughs> it is so hard. And there have been so many times where I've missed the mark, but I had fun. And that's yeah. <laughs> when it comes down to it. It's like, okay, at least, at the very least, I enjoyed what I did. Do you guys have a fa- favorite like genre in animation? Is there like a go-to where you're like, ah, this wild is and all insane? Of it. <laughs> I want to go mm-hmm. crazy, balls to the wall, insane, old school, Nick, old school, mm-hmm. old school. I Nick, do love like doing Ren that. and Stimpy. Yeah. I want to go insane. 
I want to be like, what is wrong oh, with yeah. Caitlin? Is she okay? <laughs> like the the, the, the pure id. I can't tell you how fun that freedom is. Being wacky and big. Yeah. yeah that I mean, is, don't oh, yeah. don't be the same note the whole time. I don't want to be at a 10 out of 10 the entire time. Yeah. But I, I definitely want to have those funny exaggeration turns. I definitely want to have. Yeah, the broad. Like the, 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 the stupid girl reaction. Playing dumb is so fun. Playing drunk <laughs> is so fun. And I've never been drunk, so I just assume. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't drink, but like, well. If obviously we know what the big exaggerated drunk is, let's try to pretend you're not drunk when you are. Yep, that's the, I was about to say, that's the trick with crying too. Yep, crying too. Like, I'm not trying not to cry, you'll cry. Mm -hmm. Or or think about like a a sad little puppy floating on an ice float out in the middle of the ocean. Well, that makes me, oh, that is. Well, I guess that's sad if it's in the middle of the ocean. But when you first were saying a little puppy on an ice float, I was like, that's kind of cute. <laughs> Not when, but like it's you get you get there immediately. And then like, well, it's your imagination. A boat just came by and rescued the puppy and gave him hugs. Yeah. So that puppy is yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Caitlin. So you're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do believe we need to start wrapping up, my dears. We yes. This is why, though, we need to do more animation talks because we Definitely. just... Definitely. Speaking of oh, there's icebergs. so many topics to talk yeah. about. We'll tackle each one yes. in their very own special episode. But to uh, yes. put a button on today's episode, any advice to people who want to get started in voiceover? There's a plethora of how to get started, and I do believe there's a guideline of sorts to, quote, make it in voiceover, quote. But everyone's experience is different. Yeah. But what kind of advice can we give people to give them their best foot forward so they don't have to make as many mistakes as we did? I give the same advice always, which is to get yourself in an acting class. It doesn't even need to be a voiceover-related acting class. If you don't have a background in acting, take a scene study class, take an improv class, take a cold reading class, just to understand what acting is right. um, before you're even thinking about the voices uh, or what your character is going to sound like or impressions or, or whatever it is. Just know it, it is 99.999% the best actor books the role. And then also on top of that, have that ability now to shift their voice because they've been working at this for so long. But it is really about the acting is what I like to, exactly. I like to drive home. Yeah, to add to that, I do think... Um, the, the script analysis you you mm, need because mm-hmm. you're only given certain chunks. So I think it does help to know like, oh, this was probably, you know, this moment in the script when right. you're just given a few lines to really know where it would sit in the scene. That does really help. For but, sure. Um, my advice would be um, if you're starting out, uh, find scratch work. Uh I don't know if you can like message casting directors or things like that, but I, I was so glad to start in Scratch and uh, it gave me so much, yeah, so much training. And I think, you know, often I know or I see like sometimes like the animators or the the directors are just stepping in to fill the voices. And if you can get in those roles to actually be there and experience it, it's really helpful. Yeah, That's cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I think making connections is important and making connections from an authentic place too, instead of um, being like, I'm an actor, hire me, like really getting to know people because you care and just being a a human being. Um, I also think like D D Bradley Baker has this amazing website and I refer everyone to it because it is so comprehensive. He's taken so much time to really break it down and help people. He has like, 
it, it's called I want to be a voice actor.com and he goes into like detail yeah. yeah tons of details like how to audition um meeting or getting uh, an agent working on your demos right learning to act of course like the the very very most important thing I think there's even a category on his website it's like starting from the beginning or something like that starting from zero and like how how to do it like it's so comprehensive that and I I don't know about you guys but I get questions all the time from yes people I haven't talked to in 15 years like I'm as we're talking I full-on just got an Instagram DM from a friend who I haven't talked to in so long being like hey I'm thinking about getting into VO (laughs) wow that's literally that's amazing that happened as we're talking (laughs) but it happens all the time my phone thing, I'm like, why is he time. messaging me? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh man, but it, it does. It happens all the time, and I think, I think it's easy for people to see. You know, when we when we are fortunate to book a big thing or a thing that has a little bit of a fan base, and um, they see that. And that's just, they're seeing the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much more right. that goes into it. And, um, and so yeah, I just think it's so important to. One, recognize this isn't just an easy way to make money. Um, and it, it is a very fun career and whatnot, but there's so there's so much groundwork and so much continuous work that you need to do. And not to turn anyone away from it, because if you really want it, it's a wonderful career um, that I adore. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, this website, I, I'm like, just go here and it will tell you all that you need to know. <laughs> Thank you, Dee. Shout out. <laughs> right? Dee's the best. Caitlin, what about you? My advice, there's there's two elements I always focus on the most. Um, one intellectual, one emotional. Definitely acting classes. Stage acting is your strongest as well as improv. That'll teach you how to break out of any monotony to be exaggerated, to speak to the back row. It'll give you a lot more power and confidence in your delivery of things um, once the acting ability has been, you know, found and and grown. But that'll give you a good structure with which to act in. Improv will give you that quick thinking, that ability to be on your feet, that ability to think on a time budget. You know, you you, you can't let this sketch die, so you got to learn how to think quick. And there's you when an improv class is like, there's no going wrong make those mistakes. It's right. safe to make those mistakes. Um, yes. Lorenzo Music had one voice. He had one character, but he knew how to act with it. He knew how to react. Oh, Acting yeah. Acting is reacting. Jenny Slate has one voice, but she can do so many characters based on slightly pitch, slight attitude, nasality, an accent, um, intensity of reactions. All of that is acting. Right. And then on the emotional spectrum, for people who start it doesn't happen in a year. It doesn't happen in two years. You have to be patient and you have to be gentle with yourself. I love you are that, always Kate. growing and changing. You are always improving. You won't see it or hear it because you live with yourself every day. Right. I went yes. to a casting director, their workshop, their clinic every three months thinking, oh, maybe the company needs me now. Maybe I'm right for the projects on their desk now. They weren't seeing any growth. They weren't seeing any polish. It was the exact same stuff I was bringing because I wasn't growing or changing. And I was probably annoying her to death. (laughs) And like, this isn't, this might be hurting my chances. So I, and then a, a friend had suggested like, hey, you know what? Step back. I know you want to work with them desperately, but 
you have to make sure you're presenting the best you that you can, not just at this time, but how much you grow over time. Oh, I love so that. So I didn't take a class with her for three years. And I went in and I ended up like running the class because the class director, she couldn't make it. So I ran the class and I, I was last so everyone could go home. And she was like, so why are you here, Caitlin? And she said it very nicely, of course, like not why are you here? <laughs> but I had said, well, it's been three years since I last kind of uh, workshopped for you. Uh, I have an agent now. I've got a few projects under my belt. And I just kind of want to see if I'm growing and changing and adapting to your direction, adapting to the company's style and feel, seeing where I'm at right now. And I did my pieces and she goes, you have grown so much. This was a real eye opener. Wow. So it definitely informed me you were not in the good place before. (laughs) So yay, I, I fixed that perceived bad reputation I had. And this person... I believe they have a lot of respect for me now, and I and I've she's cast me before, so it's like let's keep that status quo, let's keep it professional. It's so easy to fall into informality, to fall into buddy buddy. There is a line of formality that we need to respect, but also you should have fun, you should enjoy the people you work with. Yes, you you should feel that way, and it just it just takes time. It takes and time. It'll it'll happen, but you know the best whisper booth in the world, the best Sennheiser. The best trinkets, the Source Connect, all of these things you can buy, they can't make up for if you're right for the role, if you've got that acting, if you've got that understanding. So acting has to come first. Definitely. it took me, my very first gig, I was drawn together. I didn't get my agent till three years later. I didn't find consistent work till five years later. And I started working on voiceover since 2002, 2003, when I knew this is what I wanted to do. And where I am today and my, my profile of work now, it took me, you know, f- over 15 years to get there. But it was worth it. Yeah, it's a marathon. Because I'm in a place I'm proud of. I'm in a place I'm happy with. I've got the character I've dreamed of my whole life. Yes. Every, I am happy. And, yeah, plenty of people started way after me and booked it to stardom and they're cast in everything. And it can hurt. It, it feels like, but it's not your turn yet. I was first. It feels that way. Sure. I feel that way. But I can never take it out on that person that their path was a little more accelerated than mine. And everyone's path is different. Yeah, yeah. you can't judge anybody else's journey. And, like, you don't, you don't want to begrudge them any work. It, it's okay to feel the jealousy. It's okay to feel it's unfair. It's okay to feel like, what am I doing wrong? These are all initial thoughts. These are all instinctual thoughts. But always take a step back and go, you know what? Your feelings are valid. The best thing you can do is try to ignore it and focus on yourself. To l- What character did they book that you wanted? Learn from that character. What's your version of it? Put that in your stockpile for next time. I did a character based off uh, a fellow voice actor's character they booked. And it's like, well, she booked that. I didn't read for the. I, I, didn't, I didn't achieve that role with my read. This is what she did. I'm going to try my version of that style. I booked a role. It's not stealing because you can never replicate what someone else is doing. Because you're always you going to bring something different. You're always right, going to bring completely. something different. But you can learn where they're placing it, how are their reactions, how's their drawl. Yeah. It's still all learning. It's, but that's the biggest thing. You don't have to be super happy, peppy, positive all the time. If you feel low, you have those low moments, step away. Talk, talk to the people you trust. Don't blast it on social media. Take the time to feel your feelings. Sleep on it. 
eat on it. Sleep on it. Yes. <laughs> Sleep on it is the best advice for anything. anything. Even like, it's like so you were true. saying, if there's an audition that's tough where it's like, oh, it's not clicking. Sometimes if I have the ability to, if it's not due first thing in the morning, yeah, I'm like, have I'm just going to go to bed and I'm going to do it in the morning. There's a diff- <laughs> And there's a difference between jealousy and envy. Mm. You know, I, I forget which is which, to be honest, but one of them is like, <laughs> there's, but a there's a difference. You feel, <laughs> you feel down that you're not achieving what someone else is doing. You feel it's your fault. You want it so badly. What am I doing wrong? You don't begrudge the other person their work. You don't want them to fail, but you certainly feel angry you're not as successful. And then the other one is like, they don't deserve that. I want them to fail. Mm. No, you don't. That's very cruel to That's say that they've nice. succeeded more than you have. And like... It's a horrible reaction. Don't give that water to grow. Don't don't give that sunlight to fester because it'll just hurt you in the long run. Yeah. And I really think this just illustrates like all of our paths are so different us, from us four um, that are here today. Like our paths to getting into this have been so very different. And I always have to remember I'm exactly where I need to be right now. Yep. And this career, it's a marathon and you train for a marathon and and it's not a sprint. You're not going to hurry and cross the finish line. There is no finish line. And you may book something that is going to be a game changer, but you're still going to be running and working toward it and um, and some days loving it and other days, you know, struggling. And it's just riding that wave, running that marathon. There's so many visuals. I'm like, we like that one. We like that one, too. <laughs> well, I will say also on, on that, and then I need to go get water because another tip is to stay hydrated, folks. It just, it blew my mind, and it was a total mind sh- mindset shift when I found out that, like, the greats that I looked up to, like the Tara Strongs and the Great Eliles and, and and just everyone, they're still auditioning. Like, that, that was when I was like, whoa, okay, so even when you, quote, unquote, make it, you're still doing that work. Yeah. And, of course, there are roles that they get offered off the bat, but for a lot of those big ones, they're still reading on it. And and that totally shifted my mindset of, like, there isn't ever going to be a, I made it, because I'm going to continue having to work for my work, which is also part of the reason I love voiceover so much, because it is based on just who is the right person for this specific role, and it's all talent-based, which I, I mm-hmm. love, not mm-hmm. looks. Um but yeah, so learning that also shifted my mindset where I was like, all right, there is no end goal. There's no finish line like you were saying. It continues. It's just enjoying the whole journey. Mm-hmm. If you're playing to win, then you're not playing to play. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I like that. Write that down. Yeah, like, Put it on what, a pillow. What's, what's the best part of running that marathon? And you, you crossed the finish line first. Did you enjoy any of the scenery? Did you wave to people? Did you see a fence and you jumped up on the fence and ran on top of the fence for fun and then jumped back on the road? Did you enjoy any of that? Kate. That's, like, profound. This is deep. I got a little goosebumps. You know, why, why even be in this marathon if you're not experiencing yeah. the world mm-hmm. that you're running through? Yeah. Are you feeling the sensation of your legs feeling tired and, and feeling that push to go further, even though you are exhausted? And, and how Did you get right. the runner's high? The runner's high. Yeah. Like, there's so much. Uh, yeah. I get the audition high. <laughs> the audition high. Did you get yeah. the audition high? Oh, I love it. Yeah, this is great. I can't wait to talk more with you gals about this. Me too. We'll do another episode. Absolutely. We will indeed. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks yes. for Yes, thank you so much, our listeners, for joining us. Uh, once again, I am Caitlin Robrock. I am Dallas Alba. I am Stephanie Sutherland. And I'm Shelby Young. And we will see you guys on the next podcast. Have a lovely day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.